Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 29 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, and I am here with my Auburn hat-wearing friend, our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's a going. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, Well, hey, we're 29 episodes into this thing. We are. Is that is that it's weird? Kinda, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. Have we? I feel like we've been doing it a long time or not a long time. I'm not sure. It's kind of like with your kid. Like, have you known him forever? Have you not? I don't know. Yeah. But I here mean, we are. I don't feel like it's been a long time. Cruising along. But for some people, it's like, how long is 29 episodes? Because it's not 29 weeks. Because we did four or five episodes. That's true. So. But we've been doing it for like five five months, five and a half six months. months. Six months. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, we're doing good. Yeah, we're about we're to hit. Good. Next week will be seven months. Yeah. So, so hey, if if you are one of our regulars, if this, I mean, well, hey, if even if it's your first time, but be sure and share, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, let people know. We are about to turn a little corner, I think, Josh. I mean, not, I don't know. We're always open to experimenting here. But um, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing something kind of cool with the podcast, which we'll go into more in a moment. But before we go to that, um, it's a little bit quieter here today than it, it has is. been lately. Yes. So what was going on last week? You know, we had our uh, first ever uh, VBS as a church. It was this so cool. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. It was, and yeah, what'd you love about it? Honestly, the end. <laughs> no, um, it was, it was great because... I don't want to sound like that guy, like that, like that Homer, you know, uh-huh. like everything the church does is great and everything We're like just that. So, yes, everything but, is wonderful. Um, it was really so good blessed. seeing not any of the sessions, but the kids going from session to session over the week mm-hmm. because of like the first part of the week they they were real closeted in each other and they didn't talk and anything like that, and then by Wednesday or Thursday, like. You saw the full character of the kid, and they were... Si- full and, character. And they would start singing the songs out spontaneously <laughs> and then playing with kids that they didn't know. Yeah. That's probably the stuff I like best about VBS, is they get to interact with kids that they don't normally get to interact with on a weekly basis, especially coming out of the COVID year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say mimicking uh, what you just said, like, it's... My favorite part of VBS is people. Yep. And the relationships that those people make. Yep. Um, seeing the adults get to know each other, seeing the adults and students, student leaders that were working get to know each other. People that normally just say, hey, at church, you don't really get to talk or they're familiar to you or maybe whatever. But like to see relationships built with each other is my favorite aspect of VBS outside of building a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Uh, which I just saw some kids uh, really make some... Uh, deep uh, thoughts and statements and everything this mm-hmm. week. So it was great. Uh, our kids' pastor, Kristen, did a phenomenal job. She did. We, um, we celebrated on Sunday with uh, in worship with our uh, VBS and had some uh, a 
one of our kids and some of our students share, and then Kristen shared, and our middle schoolers were here. It was just a great, it, it was, was a great it was. time. It was really cool. So. And and I I firmly believe this. At least in the VBSs I've been a part of as an adult, mm-hmm. they they are just as important to the adults as the kids. Yeah. And usually the adults leave just as changed as the kids do when they come in, if not more so. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I d- I definitely heard from uh, several adults who said that. And, and it's nothing that we do as as a no, staff. That's just the work of it's God. It's just and, God yeah. and yeah. and putting people together under under his roof for mm-hmm. his glory. Everyone's yeah. got the same goal of pushing kids toward Jesus, which Jesus shoving them, like pushing them. Yes. Yeah. Like putting your foot out and then shoving them so they yeah. fall fat face <laughs> flat face in the glory of God. What did you call me? Yeah, wow. Exactly. But um, yeah. what was I saying? <laughs> Josh called me fat. But uh, adult volunteers being drawn together, mm-hmm. and then, like you were saying, the relationships that come out of VBS yeah. are just as important for the adults as, as it is for the kids. Right. So it truly is an impactful event for anyone that is a part of it, not just kids. It's not just a kid's thing. Not at all. Not all. Just like our Jesus's Life weekend for our students is not just for our students. Right. Um, it impacts our whole church and leaders and host homes and volunteers and everything. So, um, you know, these, these things are important. These are things are super important. Um, you know, we call this the 167 podcast because we want to be very intentional about you know, hey, let's engage God. Let's have the conversations about God, things of, of, of God and Scripture and beyond just when we're together at church. Right. And so we said, hey, out of those 168 hours in the week, let's look at the other hours when we're away. So I think we're really, uh, I, I hope we've been doing that. I think we have been. I think so. And we're about to go into, as I mentioned at the at the outset of the episode, um, we're going to do something over the next couple of weeks that, of course, we'll, we will touch on anything from Sundays that we feel like were important. But we put the word out and said, hey, what are some things that you would like us to talk about? What yep. are some conversations, topics um, that, that you would like us to, to look at, talk about, share? And um, so we are going to do that. And we appreciate um, those who have responded thus far. And today, Josh, what we're going to do... Um, is we're going to uh, answer a couple of questions. There's one big question, which is about the Bible. Right. And it's actually, time permitting, it'll segue into another question. Um, that, But we need to address how Scripture is, uh, the things about Scripture first, the Bible, until we get to the second question. Yep. Um, and it's funny because I got an email from one of our high school students a couple of weeks ago. And it was a text, not an email. And she... Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I, I know, because I'm old. Um, so I got a telegram, she, and um, and so, and so she had just this list of things, <laughs> beep, 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 of questions like, hey, and I, one, I just love her heart because she really, she wants to minister to people in her family and those close to her. And she had some questions that have been thrown at her and she really didn't know how to respond and she asked me to respond to them and let's meet and so forth. Anyway, so these questions got me thinking. And I thought, wow, if she's thinking them, I bet you a lot of other people are thinking them. And I bet that I probably am not as capable of answering them as I 
as I could be, so it gave me some time to do a little bit of studying. I've asked every single one of these questions. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, so we're going we're gonna to do that today. Uh, we're going to answer questions that have been presented to us. We're going to start with um, some of the questions from the text I got a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I also want to, I want to do this and I, we'll just see where we are, but we're going to try and keep the episode about 40, 45 minutes. We won't stop mid-sentence and just like shut the thing off. We'll finish our thoughts. But if we need to carry it into the next one, that will be just fine because we're going to do this over the next couple of weeks. And so um, here we go. All right. Are you ready for the first question? Let's is, there, go. is there anything else you want to say before we, we jump, go? Nah, I'm good. We'll say it at the end if we yep. do. All right. So the first question, oh. and yes. I want to say it at the beginning and the end of this episode. Okay. This Sunday, July 4th. Hey, yeah. We will only have an online service. We won't have any services in person, but you can catch our service when it goes live at 1030 on our Facebook page, YouTube, or theporchcc.com. Sunday, July 4th. Online service only at 10.30 a.m. Or you can watch it later on the places where you watch the things that stream on the things. Yep. That's the technical version of that. The doors will be locked to the church because we won't be here. Nope. So, yeah, we're going to give all of our tech and band and greeters and ushers and our hospitality team and our porch kids team and your amazing staff... Everyone's going to get the weekend off, and we knew it was going to be probably a low-attended Sunday anyway and having volunteers, so we just said, hey, let's go online. It'll be a great time. Um, we you will be shooting the message tomorrow. Yep. Or, no, we will have shot the message. Yesterday. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be sweaty. All right, but anyway, so here we go. Uh, July 4th, stay home, but watch it on, on your devices, yeah. How did the Bible become the Bible? So like the Bible that you and I read and that we know, Josh, how did that become what it is? Because, you know, I could get a different version. I could get uh, with larger print or with red letters that Jesus spoke or not. But what is in that Bible is the same. I could get one in Spanish or one in English, but the books that are included are the same. So how did that come about? And then as kind of a secondary follow-up to that is why is the Bible misinterpreted all the time? Right. Those are the two questions that I think we can answer together. Uh, I can answer both of these questions by talking about what we're about to talk about. So if you don't already have on your um, nerd alert glasses and Isn't outfits... Isn't this like a seminary class for you? Yeah, everybody just let's get ready to nerd out big time. Um so where, how did the Bible become the Bible? Why is the Bible misinterpreted all the time? There are 66 documents in our Bibles, right? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, and they are known as the canon of Scripture. Now, not when you I hear canon, it's not like, yeah, no, it's not an explosion. It's C-A-N-O-N. And the term canon from the Hebrew and the Greek, it's the word, it means a cane, or they used to use a cane as a measuring rod. Right. Okay. And that just transferred over into what's the rule, what's the norm in the Christian usage, what's the, the rule of faith regarding these books of the Bible, of these documents. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think anyone will be like, oh, of course I knew that. But there was no 
New Testament when Jesus was around. What? There was no, no there was no New Testament in the Acts church. There was no New Testament in in the first, you know, several years of of the church. There wasn't a New Testament. Now, there was an Old Testament, kind of, but it wasn't called that, of course, yet. Um, Were they calling it the Torah then? There was Torah or Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Yes, the Torah was there, yes. Um, But so the canon is, this is what is considered... Here's the deal. Okay, by the time of Jesus, there was this really strong agreement among Christians about which of the Old... We'll start with the Old Testament. Which of the Old Testament documents are recognized as God's Word. And it's a list that matches what you and I have in our Bibles now. So the Old Testament books that we have now in our Bible, during the time of Jesus, those books were also, they were basically, that was the Old Testament. They were considered Old Testament. Like, those were considered, these are these are books that are of God, that God has given to us, that mm-hmm. these are important. Now, was that was that like all Jews accepted? Yes. This or and not like a sect of. Ju- I mean, Jews? there might have I mean, been, but I think in across the board it was mostly. This was across, yeah. This okay. was yeah. So, um, how do we know that? So, how do we know this? How do we know that the Old Testament in our Bibles that we have right now is the same one that Jesus? Because Jesus referred to the books in the Old Testament, right? Right. When he spoke to um, the religious leaders, he quoted scripture. He talked in their language. How do we know this? Well. First and foremost, God commanded that his words be preserved in the tabernacle and later in the temple. So this was something that was being told, like to remember this, record this, say this to your children. Like God had been telling them all along to remember these things. So what he was saying and what was being recorded was considered holy and it was preserved. So... um, these were preserved, and, and there, there'd be no doubt, okay, this is, these are God's words. So this was how the practice was, and this is how it was passed on, okay, because the words were saved, and then they were taught to the next generation and the next and the next. Um, we can be confident that our Old Testament lines up with Scripture Jesus recognized as authoritative because we have, they have those documents, all right? So, so it was considered canon because it measures up. All right. Correct. Jesus spoke of it. It measures up. All right. So I don't know if that answers it very well or not. We can come back around to that. Um, now, I mean, most people don't have much question about the Old Testament. They just kind of sure. it's the New Testament where yeah. where people have a lot of questions. Yeah. What what made it? Why did? Because there's supposed other books of the Bible mm-hmm. that didn't make it into the canon Bible and stuff. Correct. Like that. That's right. That's so right. So like that's where that's where I was when I was a high school kid. I was like, well, why didn't I mean, when when I was in high school, Dateline found a really old uh, manuscript of what was supposedly oh, yeah. the book. Is it of the Ju- Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, yeah. It included the Book of Judas and the Book of Mary Magdalene. Uh huh. Yeah. And and that raised a whole bunch of questions for me. Is sure. like, why wasn't that included? Mm-hmm. Because you know, the New Testament has a bunch of authors. So who decided that this was this exactly that this version didn't line up with the Gospels of Luke mm-hmm. and John? Right. So like that's that's where I think most people are with the no not necessarily even the Bible, the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Well good. Well we're gonna address that. That very thing. Um so so how were the New Testament books decided? Now <laughs> I think we've watched enough movies and, and things like, I don't know, Da Vinci Code or whatever to think 
that the New Testament books could have, or maybe were decided by a bunch of like power hungry factions who wanted, you know, their version of Christianity to, to be, you know, first place or whatever. But the Bible that we have today, here's the deal. The, the Bible that you and I have today, it contains books that the early church was already acknowledging as God's work. All right. Okay. Now, it, they weren't put together yet as a book, so that's why I said they didn't have the Bible in the early church. They had the Old Testament, but then they did have the writings of people, right? and they were being recognized as this is of God, this is God's work. So they were already being um, shared, read, studied, all these things. Um, and there were... <laughs> Here's how they acknowledged it was God's work, okay? There were some signs that they looked for that identified to the people in the early church, okay, this book is going to need, this is of God, and eventually it's going to be in the New Testament. A book had to be, firstly, written by or closely connected to an apostle. Okay. Okay, it had to be written by or connected to an apostle. So someone who knew Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who was there with Jesus. Right. Um, Paul was an apostle, he didn't walk with Jesus when Jesus was here, uh, but then he came to know Jesus right after. So, But mm-hmm. then you have all the disciples that wrote and other people. So first and foremost, here's a sign. How does, it, how does a book get in the—what makes it a, a God-given book, a sign that this is God's work? First of all, it was written by someone who was closely connected to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it was being used in the early church. So by the time they came around to saying— hey, let's put these all together. Let's make a canon of this. Let's make these all meet these standards. These, these, um, uh, this is all good. This is of God is, um, they were already being shared around churches. This was already being read. It was already being seen as, okay, this is from Paul. This is from John. Matthew wrote this, you know, this is from on and on. All right. So written by an apostle being used in the church already. Thirdly, it needed to be theologically orthodox, right? It had to align. So that means that it, can't, it couldn't contradict other documents, other scriptures that were around. So if, if someone came up with the, the book of, you know, here's the book of John, and then someone said, well, here's the book of Shannon, but the book of Shannon totally contradicted John. Exactly. Then Shannon gets tossed out. Right. Okay, so that's how that goes. And that's where a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls were. Yeah, like yeah. They contradicted like a lot of things, right? Ninety percent of what was considered. I haven't canon. studied that enough. I want to go back and, and look into that. But I, yeah. Well, so I watched every like Dateline Discovery Channel thing I could on it because I I thought it was like this could destroy Christianity. Oh wow! Yeah. And obviously it didn't. <laughs> obviously it didn't. But. But uh, yeah, it could have. I, I mean, mean, in a different time, it could have. But for someone that do, that doesn't understand how things qualified to be mm-hmm. in the Bible. Right. Some, someone that is referenced in the Bible a lot yeah. has their own basic... It says that it's their account of it. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty important. It then, would. Then you realize that it wasn't written by them. It was someone that yeah. supposedly knew them, but they can't really prove it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's all this other stuff, and you go, oh. Yeah. It's like when you see one of those, like, ghost shows that say we're going to prove ghosts, and then it's like this little speck on a... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
You're like, sure. So so what gets it in the New Testament? couple signs. It's got to be written by or connected closely to an apostle. It was already in common use by the early church. It's got to be theologically orthodox. That means it fits. It doesn't contradict other parts of Scripture. And then fourthly, it's it's just discerned to as bearing the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, meaning this is of God. Like this, we see this, that this is of the Lord. This is, this is for our edification. This is to build us up. This is to train us. It doesn't contradict anything. Um, there you go. So those are the four signs that were being looked at to say, all right, is this canon? Are we going to canonize this particular document? Um, now, another sign of authenticity, just to note this, I think it's really important. I think important, it's important. I think it's really important. Is that all the documents in the New Testament canon mm-hmm. can be dated prior to A.D. 100. Yeah. So Jesus died, they say, around the age of 33. Right, he had three years of ministry. Now, does that mean thirty-three A.D.? Around there, yes. Okay. That was that's how that timeline works. So you're talking about within sixty-seven years of Jesus ascending into heaven after his death and resurrection. That's okay? all the time they got. Sixty-seven years of that time frame. Everything that you and I have in our New Testament was written during that time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's firsthand information. That's one generation information. Right? So that's not even grandpa telling grandson, telling grandson. I mean, and then someone writing it down like you just referenced. This is within that generation yeah. of the early church. I mean, that's like you, uh, you know, like when you see these interviews of World War II vets and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that's wow. that time frame. I know. Drew and I have been watching, we've actually been watching it with our daughter. Band uh, of Brothers. Band of Brothers. It's fantastic. And I've seen it a few times. We love it. Drew, I mean... But like to see the actual interviews with the, with the guys at the end of the episodes, or sometimes mm-hmm. at the beginning, yeah. is just powerful. And then you realize, like I, I don't know if any of them are still around. Like they're I, gone. There was like one or two when I last looked yeah. last year. Yeah. So I mean, it's like this that generation of they have those stories. They hold them. Mm-hmm. So what you and I have in our New Testament, it can, um, can they're all. AD 100 or younger. That means it was all written less than, you know, let's just be, let's be super generous here. They were all written less than 70 years after Jesus's death and resurrection. Um, now, and that would, this is the thing this was, I was like, Oh, this is, this is good. The reason why there will never be any new books added to the Bible. So here's the deal, Josh, you guys just bought a new house. Correct. Uh, let's say you're wandering around, you look up in your attic and you find, and a letter written by the Apostle Paul that had never been before. Right. Okay, first of all, and it was legit, like everything checks out. He wrote that thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't meet the criteria for canon. Because it wasn't it wasn't already in common usage by the early church. Correct. Phase one. Yep, yep. I mean, it could tick the other three. Yeah. But it wasn't. So, I mean, would it still be an important document? Sure. <laughs> would you probably get a... A nice price for that, um, you know, from, you know, I don't know, Rome. I don't know. <laughs> from, but it wouldn't meet canon because it wasn't already being used, right? Yeah. So, and plus there'd always be that little question now, mark of, did he really write that? Or, and how long has these four criteria been in place? That was, they were in place. I don't know how the, that's a good question. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. How did that criteria come about? 
But I, I want to say they probably they adopted the same type of criteria that they had for their Old Testament, uh-huh. um, and probably even just in general for historical writings that there was there was a way to discern is this legitimate. Okay. Um, but those became the four standards by which you go: is this canon? Will this be in our canon? Man. You know, when you realize that it's been like the entire New Testament was written in 70 years Mm -hmm. compared to the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. the amount of stuff that was done in the new, in the early church is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. The time frame, for sure. That kind of blows your mind. Yep. Yep. So that's okay. I don't know if I answered the first, but that's how the Bible became the Bible, right? The Bible became the Bible because we had these documents. And as the early church gathered and were trying to make sure that they were orthodox, that they had their right thinking, that they were in line with who God was, they found that they had a standard in place to go, okay, this is, this is legitimate. And eventually they put it all together in the, you had the Old Testament and now the New Testament. Now, as canon, I will say this for the church, as Wesleyans, which is where our doctrine lies, we believe the Bible is not primarily inspired for us just to know things. Like, it's not a textbook. We learn a lot from the Bible, of course, but this is not its primary function in and for the church. Instead, the Bible is inspired and given by God to the church in order for us to know God. Not for us to know things, but for us to know God. And so... Like I said, the canon's not a textbook. The canon of Scripture that we have, that we hold, the whole purpose is for us to know God. And even my use of the word know is important because, like, to know things, that just means facts, like, in my brain, right? But to by knowing God, when I say that, when I say, you know, I mean encountering God and relating to Him in this, like, intimate way that's only made possible by Christ on the cross, right? Right. So we don't want to, we don't use our Bible just to know things. We, our Bible is given to us. It's been canonized for us so that we will know God. And so we believe the whole canon is a gift from God. It's inspired to lead us to this relationship with God and transform us Mm -hmm. into God's image. I mean, that's the whole point of it. So, okay, as a follower of Jesus then we can have this confidence in uh, prima scriptura, which is not something like a, a seafood dish that you would order at Olive Garden. Prima vera? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the primacy of scripture. It's, 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 it overarches everything. And we believe that scripture is the primary source uh, for Christian doctrine, that Here's what John Wesley said. He said that the Bible is the only and sufficient rule both of Christian faith and practice. So there's nothing else that is all sufficient. Like right. It starts with Scripture. Scripture is above all other sources. Other sources are helpful. They right. could be to know God, but they're secondary to Scripture. So you've got Scripture, and then you've got the traditions of the church. You've got reason, just God gave us a brain. And then our experience. But if tradition, reason, experience don't align with Scripture, then Scripture still wins. Right. Okay? Okay. Um, So these three, tradition, reason, and experience, they never supersede Scripture. And there's a really fancy word for Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. We call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. 
which sounds like a football that's, play. It's not a math term. Uh, or a math term. Um, but no, it is, it's just these four pieces Christmas of... ears just perked up. <laughs> math, what? Um, but it's these four ways of, of looking at um, how do we know God? Well, mm-hmm. through Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. But Scripture right. is first. Right. First, first, first. So there's the background on how we got our Bible that you and I have today. Before we get off of that, okay, I, I was Googling what this was called because I didn't want to call it the wrong name. Okay. But the Council of Nicaea, is there anything that we want to go into about that? Um, tell me what you're, where you're going because there, that's where, like, there. I will say, I, did, I was reading, reading some stuff last night. There is not a... I I could be wrong on this. I could not find one definitive answer to when the canon actually, actually, actually became canonized. Like, who did it, when, and where? There's a couple of different places and a couple of different councils um, where this happened. And one of them is considered the Council of Nicaea, where it was everything was canonized. Yeah, this is the accepted. Right. It's the, the one that that most people can agree on that it happened yes, and they can date it and stuff like that. Right. The Council but, of Nicaea is But it's the, not saying it's the in, it, it's the end-all, be-all right. of the canonization. Yeah, and, and maybe I, this could be my personal um, prejudice here that I'm, I'm hesitant to just be like, yeah, that's exactly what happened, is because in, I don't know, religious lore, in Christian lore, there is this very false... Um, story that has gone around that at the Council of Nicaea, these documents that you and I know as uh, the different books of the New Testament were laid out on a table and that persons at the Council of Nicaea prayed and lay hands on the table and the Lord told them which ones to put in the Bible and which ones to cast aside. And that's not what happened. No. And so, um, but you might be surprised who might think that that, oh, sure. Now, is could God have done it that way? Of course. But that's not how we historically understand that that's how the canon came about. Um, because then it's, uh, uh, you're, you're leaving out, mm-hmm. you're putting it in man's hands and, and, and all that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would need to do a lot more study on that. But yes, the Council of Nicaea is kind of the agreed upon uh, moment or uh, event yeah. where... I, I brought it up because the story about the laying hands on the uh, manuscripts mm-hmm. and all comes up a lot because it... And they go, well, that just seems weird. Right, and then that gives someone like the the door to go, and the Bible is for a bunch of kooky people. Exactly. Right, right, right. So, so that's that's why I brought it up because yeah. it it is one of those things that people like to use to get a back door into an argument or something like that. Yeah. So it, it is worth discussing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I'm sure I've completely made it so clear to everyone now <laughs> how we got our Bible. <laughs> um, so here we go. So now, so then, how do you interpret this? So all right, we've got our Bible. We go okay, canon, good. Uh, this is the standards. Good. These books now, they met those standards. They were written by an apostle. The church used them. I mean, theologically orthodox, um, Holy Spirit inspired. Great. How in the world do you interpret the Bible? Like, okay, we read it. So when, and and along with that question, I guess, um, Josh, could also be, because I kind of merged some questions, because the other question was, uh, why is the Bible full of errors? And um, so there's a concern about misinterpretation of Scripture 
And then does scripture actually contradict itself? It, mm. Are there errors? Either does it contradict itself or is it just flat out an error, like it's not true? You know, um, I guess I'll really want to, I want to lean more into the in- interpretation side or misinterpretation side. Because I think, I think that's where the perceived errors come yes. from is misinterpretation. Right, right. Um, and there's this term, which you probably may have heard of, called proof texting. Proof texting. Is that and, when it keeps me from spelling bad yeah. accidentally texting bad words? <laughs> we yeah, that we should use that like for our you know our phones and stuff. So yeah. Um, so when we here's the deal. Proof texting bad. Reading text in context, good. I'll repeat that. Proof texting bad. It sounds like it's positive because it's the word proof. Proof texting bad. Reading all the text in context, good, all right? Reading all the text in its total context means what we do is we take an individual text and we read it in light of their place in the Bible as a whole, all right? So we're not pulling it out of Scripture. The opposite of that is when we would do what's called proof texting or lifting a single verse out of the Bible stripping it of its surrounding context, like so even like the sentence before or the sentence after, and using that one sentence or statement to prove what it never intended to support. Correct. Okay? Yeah. That's proof texting. Mm-hmm. So, and, and not only, so we need to read, whenever we're reading text, how do you avoid misinterpreting the Bible? Um, you read it in context, And then you also read it in its literary context, which is very, very important. So we take, um, like, how was it written? Who was it written to? And then you even look at the linguistic historical context, like, was there a problem with the translation? Uh, What was being addressed here? All these things. So with proof texting, you've got to be careful because the Bible is often misinterpreted because of this. When we take a verse, when we take a sentence, and we pull it out from the context, all right, the pericope, there's a word for you, of, uh, it's like periscope, but drop the S, and it just means like a section or a thought of, of scripture. Like, it's, it's kind of like a passage, gotcha. um, but it could be a little bit larger, but it might okay. not be like a whole uh, chapter or whatever. Um, so... Proof texting is taking one sentence and pulling it out, setting it aside, and going, see, this is what it said. And, and an example of that, and I don't have, you'd think I would be more prepared, but you could go to the Psalms and see where David in one sentence is praising God, mm-hmm. and in the next minute he's like, why have you forsaken me? So you could proof text that and go, well, David, David doesn't, uh, David is... Uh, He's walked away from God because God has forsaken him. Yep. Or you could pull it out and go, God has forsaken David, which wasn't true. Right. That's proof texting. You're just pulling it right out and doing that. Okay. So uh, we have to be careful of our context. I got I to gotta tell you something funny. Okay. So, you know, we're recording this right now. Uh-huh. My daughter is blowing up my devices right now, <laughs> wondering where I am. She's at her grandmother's. This is Mallory. This is Mallory. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I keep... Yeah, I'm doing yeah. the same thing. I have people texting <laughs> me, and I'm just like, leave me alone. I'm trying to do something for Jesus. <laughs> okay, so I proof texting. Um, so the Bible is often misinterpreted because of 
proof texting, which, oh, Josh, I really wanted to go here, but I think if we're going to honor what we said we were going to do, I think this is a good place to drop where we're about to go next. Well, okay, but before we drop then, okay, I want to say that this is not uh-huh. uncommon. Proof texting. Yeah. I have it, been guilty of proof texting and writing sermons. No, I'm And not I'll, even... I'll look back and go, oh, man, I, I should have... I didn't... Now, I, I won't say that I... I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no you're fine. Um, but I'll look back and go, oh, I really should have included this or these surrounding texts or these um, supportive texts, uh, scripture, yeah, to yeah. support this point. I don't think I've gotten up there and misled anybody. I wanted to say that. Um, but yeah, it's it's easy to do. you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I cut you off. Well, it's not just in the Bible. I mean, someone makes a speech. <laughs> oh, gosh. And you pull out what's a what's a hot click, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm guilty of it with social media. I want to pull that's out a good. verse that's going to get people to click the like button. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, and people, I don't know why I don't know why we go with the Bible. We go, oh, yeah, the Bible says that off of one line. Yeah. But when, when we're analyzing political stuff, we go, now, what's the context of what he was saying or what she was saying? <laughs> but we're willing to just but toss the Bible to out. T- yeah. Toss the Bible out with the bathwater. You, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's how that goes. Um, so we can proof text. we got to be careful of that. And so here's where I want us to go next week, okay? And, and I'll give our listeners an opportunity to, you know, do some reading, do some studying. But an, a great example of, true, of proof texting, which, which actually segues into another question, is what about women in leadership in the church? Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. So we're going to look at... Uh, at you can first... cover that in like five minutes? <laughs> sure, sure I can. Um, but we're going to be looking at a, a, a verse, some verses in First Timothy chapter 2 next week, which has been widely proof texted. Wildly. I would say widely and wildly. Um, Did you fall into that? Fax it like... Well, my notes, yeah, I said widely, and I was like, no, it is wildly, yeah. So so we're going to go into that next week and talk about women in leadership in the church. What does Scripture say? What about those verses in 1 Timothy and there's one in in Corinthians? What about those? Um, Because a lot of people have hung their hat, their doctrine, and how they view men and women in the church, they've hung all that on one little peg, and I want us to talk about proof texting next week. And um, and I know I'm a I know I'm a paid spokesperson for uh, females. You're uh, a woman. I, <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like it seemed like a good joke at the time. <laughs> yes, yes I am. Yes I am. Um, <laughs> what? Sorry. It's it's funny. It's funny. So, um, so we're going to go there next week. So that'll just kind of whet the appetite of our, of our listeners for that. Um, what, anything else you want us to touch on? I, I'm wondering if I just completely and thoroughly just confuse people with our conversation day. I hope not. If, if any, if you want us to clarify, clarify anything, (laughs) send us, send us an email with some questions and we'll, and we'll record our answers and we'll, We'll put them in the podcast. So you sure will. So if anything isn't clear, and if you want us to, not 
we'll we'll come back to if if it's not clear, but you want us to dive deeper into some stuff, mm-hmm. we'll double back on it. Let us know. We'll double back on another episode. There you go. Yeah. But if there's anything unclear, let us know. We'll we'll clear that up, or we'll answer something that you didn't think we answered. Mm-hmm. And uh, but if there's something you want us to dive in more, let us let for sure let us know that too. Mm-hmm. And then we'll add we'll add an episode on the end of this kind of series type deal yeah. that we're doing to dig dig a little deeper on certain aspects. Yeah, just don't um, don't keep asking until you get the answer you want. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do we do that? <laughs> no, but I just thought of that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Someone's like, but what about? I didn't like that answer. What about? <laughs> so. I so want to jump into this right now, but I, I want to save it for next time. So, okay. Are you cool with that? No. You want us to keep going? Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get into it, we'll next, get week, to it so. next week. Um, hey, Porch Community. So Sunday, July 4th, enjoy the weekend with your family and friends. And around 1030 on the 4th, gather around your favorite device and tune in for online-only worship. And if you happen to come onto our campus on Sunday, July 4th, um, you know, that's great. Park your car, say a little prayer, and then you can move along because we won't be here. I mean, if the doors you, will be closed. If you want to watch the live stream in the parking in lot. In the parking lot, because we have great Wi Fi. The guest password is eight sevens. What is it? Seven 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 seven? Yes. Yeah. So if you like if you want to enjoy the service out on the picnic table under some trees, if it's beautiful weather, mm-hmm. we'd love that we'd love to let you do it. Yeah. There you go. Pick some tomatoes while you're here. Yes, please. We got a big old tomato garden. Yes, please. Yeah, listeners, if you want some tomatoes, come and have some tomatoes. They are on the vine. You can pull them when they're ready. Yep. Anytime you want. Play a little volleyball, basketball, pickup game. All right. Watch some church. All right. We're rambling. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Porch Community, we sure do love you. We appreciate you. Wow. Uh, God's doing some things. And. Uh, I just hope that you are being encouraged and that you're learning along with us and um, that we're growing closer to Jesus because that's what it's all about. All right. We'll see you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.